0: It is locked on Jazz for the twenty third of December. Can Walker Kessler make the Utah Jazz an average defensive basketball team? Malik Beasley showing some variety and points gain Friday. Lowry marketing ranks where? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! You are locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps for you and also on YouTube where the community chats amongst themselves and has a great time. And you're welcome to join us there. Please subscribe on all of those. If you're on YouTube, hit the little bell so you get notified whenever we have a show. Happy holidays! Uh, first, before we start the show, thank you. Um, I hope you have a nice holidays. Holidays are tough on some people. I um, was just about to drop a note to a friend wishing him happy Hanukkah and, and know that his pa- father passed this you know year and it's a it's not an easy one for him. So I know that this is not always uh, well designed to be joyous is not always for everybody. So. Uh, that My thoughts are with you during the holidays, and best to you, and hope you have a happy holidays. or hope it's possible. Um, I want to thank you for the support of the show, um, particularly those listening today. The numbers yesterday were so bad. Everyone's kind of moved on to their holiday shopping and skiing and doing whatever and vacations and getaways and all the rest. Um, so it was kind of funny. I saw the numbers yesterday. I was like, ah! But I decided still to do a show today out of kind of a thank you to all of you um, and, uh, and anyone who's not listening today as well. The community we have built is fun. Um, I enjoy it immensely. Uh, for all the negatives of the Twitterverse and, and all this social networking and all the ways that we can get along, interact, there are certainly days. Um, but on the most part, I would say it's really a pretty enjoyable um, thing and it's a pretty great time to be the radio voice of a team and be able to interact with this many fans and have these relationships and connections and I feel like I know what's going on with various people and it was just cool like last night I think Ryan Smith to one of our longtime jazz fans you know like said hey like bring your kids on me for Donovan's game we'll cheer him like we'll make sure everybody cheers him Um, and uh, he deserves it and uh, you know it's just to saw her reaction and and know how long she's been a jazz fan and everything else so it's kind of cool to see those things so anyway happy holidays Uh, I will share a funny one. Uh, I first started the show and it's happy holidays to you and your family on the, um, oh, and there is a typo. Actually, that's great. This is actually makes it even funnier. I now see it. Um, I didn't see the T, So this is actually even funnier. Um, so on YouTube, on the bottom of our screen, it says happy holidays to you and your family from LOJ. And originally it actually had happy holidays to your and your family, um, which was a typo. And then I was going to leave it. Because I figured, actually, like, the only appropriate thing for the, like, show is that my hair's a mess, there's a typo somewhere on the screen, and that there's a mess of crap behind me, because I didn't move my headphones that are charging, and all my books, and all the other stuff, and there's a glare behind me, because the snow, like, it just seemed perfect, like, this show's such a disaster, um, it seemed kind of perfect to, to have that. To have that mistake in there. And then it turned out that there actually was one anyway. Um, I just, for those of you who don't wonder what that silence was, I stepped away to close the blinds. All right, let's get to it. Um, Can Walker Kessler make the Jazz an average defensive basketball team? So right now the Jazz are the fourth-ranked offensive team in the NBA and are the 20, let's see, after last night it'll go up, so let's give the guys the credit they deserve. Um, We are the fourth-ranked offensive team and we're the 28th-ranked defensive team in the NBA. What's interesting about us being ranked 28 is we're 18th in the league against the shot. So we're really like average. Okay, league average, effective field goal percentage is 54.2. We're 54.5. Okay, we're 18th in forcing turnovers. Um, the league average is 14.8% of all possessions or turnovers. So we force 14.4. We're like, we're, we're basically average. The free throw rate. It's hard to explain what that means, but the rate we put people on the line, we're average. Like, we're 17th, okay? We're a little below average, but not much. Like, we're basically... The one area where we're we're bad is that we are a terrible defensive rebounding team. We're 27th after last night where we had one of the best defensive rebounding games of any team in the league um, in defensive rebounding. We're, We're really not very good at it. If you were to kind of look around at other teams around our area... In every, If you were just to be kind of distinctly average at everything you do defensively, and there is not a team that totally fits this mold, actually. Golden State's kind of close, but then they're horrendous at fouling. Um, so it's hard to find a team that does this. The Orlando Magic are actually super close, but then they don't force any turnovers. If you were to get average at all four of the four factors defensively, you actually become... An av- then you actually are a, a slightly above average defensive team. That's kind of how it works. Almost everyone's terrible at something. So Brooklyn is the 11th ranked defensive team in the league. They're great at defending the shot. They're fourth best in the league. And then they're, they don't rebound at all. They're the worst rebounding team in the league, so it drops into 11th. If you can just be average at everything, you kind of have a chance. So in the case of the Jazz, the question to me is if Walker Kessler, who last night had a career-high minutes and we had our best defensive rebounding game of the year, if Walker Kessler is suddenly able to play 30 minutes a night, or 25 to 30 minutes a night, can we become an average defensive rebounding team, and therefore become an average defensive team, and now all of a sudden you're the fourth best offense in an average defense? You're actually like... Then, then you actually could probably make the top six in the West, and suddenly be a playoff team, instead of a play-in team, if l- pending any roster changes. So, the defense you know we we've had one defensive game above average since december 2nd we've had two in the entire month of december we've had three since no, or two above average defensive games since november 15th we're just not a particularly good defensive team but if you actually run through it the issue on the nights in which, on most of these nights is defensive rebounding so walkers started three games and against Cleveland, while we had one of the worst offense defensive games of the year, we allowed them to have an effective field goal percentage of 74%. We did a great job at defensive rebounding. We only allowed 17%. Against Detroit, we didn't do as good a job. We were back to our kind of 39th percentile. But actually, that's pretty good for us. Like, 39th percentile is an improvement for us in defensive rebounding. And then last night, we had one of the great defensive rebounding nights any team's had all season long. We only allowed three offensive rebounds in the whole night. So the initial kind of take there is, well, okay, maybe. So let's look at on-off stats. Let's just look at Walker in general and what his impact is. Well, his impact is that when he's on the floor, we're grabbing 3.6% more defensive rebounds than when he's off the floor. And if he's taking Jared Vanderbilt's minutes, Jared Vanderbilt, along with Simone Fontecchio, are the two guys that have the worst rebounding Numbers on two of the worst numbers on the roster. Kelly Alinek does too, actually. Kelly Alinek is not a good rebounder, nor is Lowry. So when we have like Jared Vanderbilt, Lowry Marken, and Kelly Alinek on the floor, those are not some of our better rebounding guys. Um, our best is Rudy Gay, interestingly, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and Walker Kessler. So the, it's that's the bench unit. So really, you're starting to get into the bench unit um, of what's taking place there. If we try to get specific here for a second, and so again the premise here is that if Walker Kessler can improve our defensive rebounding that's all he has to do not even to get into his impact on rim defense which is real we can get into that in a second um if we des- if you decide that the the play here is that you're you're and this isn't entirely how we're going to do things so I think this is a little misleading but there's I didn't really have any other way to do it um If we take Walker Kessler, and I gotta explain why he played so much last night before we get too deep in this. If we take Walker Kessler on the floor and take Jared Vanderbilt off the floor, our defensive rebounding becomes average. Now all of a sudden, we're in the 47th percentile at twenty-seven point one percent defensive rebounding rate or twenty-seven point one opposing offensive rebounding rate and the league average is twenty-six point nine. So that that simple change of Walker Kessler on and Jared Vanderbilt off gets us to average now if we're going to get to be above average defensive team we probably have to be a little better than that because when Jared Vanderbilt is on and Walker Kessler's off we're not as good a rebounding team right so then so some of our minutes will be below average so it doesn't quite get us there what we really need is us to be dominantly defensive rebounding when Walker's on the floor when Jared Vanderbilt's on the floor and Walker Kessler's off the floor we're in the ninth percentile in defensive rebounding so we're allowing 31 percent so unfortunately, the quick answer is no that walker we're not so good defensive rebounding when Walker Kessler's on the floor that it flips this thing entirely, but it does improve us now there's some other areas where Walker Kessler can also improve us defensively um and then I'm going to put some caution to this conversation so Walker Kessler's impact right now is that teams take three percent fewer shots um no, oh, that's our offense. Our offense takes 3% fewer shots at the rim of walkers in the game. Teams take 5% fewer 4.4% fewer shots at the rim of walkers in the game. They take more threes, which is not great, but they take it's great to have them take away the rim. And they shoot 6 percentage points less well. So there is a defensive impact as well. Overall, the effective field goal percentage with Walker on the floor is down 4 percentage points, which is great. Um some of these numbers can be a little misleading because Rudy Gay is comes out as our best defensive player, and that should put up a little red flag that that doesn't necessarily lead to accuracy. Now, can we just do this? Is this like, okay, well, David's found the magic thing. Eh, not quite. And let's get into last night and why Walker Kessler played a career-high 32 minutes, but there is something here that the more Walker Kessler can develop, it's, and I think this is the important differential, It's the more Walker-Kessler can develop, not the more Will Hardy plays Walker-Kessler. Will Hardy would love to play Walker-Kessler. So let's dig into that, why he played so much last night. And then we'll touch on uh, third quarter. I thought Beasley had great variety to his game last night. That's worth talking about. And then uh, points gained. Lowry Markkinen, hello. Wow. Um, I don't usually check the... Uh, points gained before I do it, but it it came up today and I saw it. So there's a big wow coming up. Uh, It is a uh, Friday edition of the show. I don't know if if anybody else has any feeling that they have no idea what day of the week it is, but um, it is. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Uh, The Murdoch family's been with Utah for over 80 years. Uh, I had fun with uh, Blake's kids last night. They were at the game. And, uh, They, you know, they're part of our community, they're aware of those things, they want to make sure that uh, they're always staying on top of things. Uh, And that, you know, it's really on the simplest, simplest comment that uh, Blake's ever made to me, like, I want to be able to go to the grocery store in church and have people know they had a great experience. It's like that simple. It's like I'm part of the community. And uh, that's what the Murdochs are all about. The Hyundais are great. The Elantra was the North American car of the year last year. That's there's because of what you get for your value. And then the Sonata I've been driving for a long, long time and really loved it. I'm actually turning it in today, getting into the new Santa Fe. So I'll be able to give you a report on that. Then the lineup of the SUVs is great. It's the little Kona that zips around. It's the beautiful Palisade is the big one. And then the Santa Fe and the Tucson are right in the middle. We have two Santa Fe's um, that we've already purchased in Uh, from murdoch hyundai so i can strongly suggest those um after i did all the work the motor trend suv of the year this year so last year they got the north american car of the year this year the ionic 5 the electric car is the um suv of the year uh by motor trends and that's their electric car and it's we have that as well it's pretty great uh so thank you very much to the uh murdochs and hyundai for all the great cars that we've been able and fortunate enough to drive uh, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online and BetOnline.net where you can get all the odds, news, scores, and the latest uh, from everything at Bet Online. I think the line last night was seven. That missed free throw at the end had a huge impact <coughs> on the game, uh, not just the Chick Fil A possibility, but everything else. Uh, G- NFL weekend with playoff implications. The Detroit Lions are a two point favorite going, two and a half point favorite going to Carolina. Uh, Bills are the biggest, or excuse me, uh, Chiefs are the biggest favorite on the board against the Seahawks. Uh, A 10-point favorite, boy, cold is going to have an impact on things. A ton of Saturday games because they only have uh, three Christmas games. Uh, The Packers in Miami, Denver, and the Rams in Tampa, and... Uh, there's, on the NBA end of things tonight, there's a big docket of games with no games on New- Christmas Eve. So feel free to jump board. The Lakers are a three-and-a-half point favorite against the Hornets. The Nuggets and the Blazers play. Nuggets are four and a four-and-a-half point favorite and that one. The Thunder are a favorite against the Pelicans at home tonight. Wow, the Thunder gaining respect um, on that. Who to make the playoffs? You want to know what your Utah Jazz odds to make the playoffs are? Uh, right now, minus 155 on no, plus 125 on yes. That's all at BetOnline and BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you grab Locked on Sports today. 22-minute recap of everything going on in the sports world to update you on all the latest. I'm sure they'll some Zach Wilson stuff. I haven't listened today yet, though, to find out. So last night Walker Kessler plays a career high in minutes and there's been a concerted clear effort to get Walker Kessler out on the floor more and more <clears throat> which is why the question is can it make us a above average or an average defensive team. Walker Kessler last night plays 32 minutes because with the injury to Chris Dapp's Przingis, the only bigs that Washington had were Daniel Gafford and, and Taj Gibson. So that's probably the worst set of bigs In the NBA. I like Daniel Gafford. That's not a criticism. Just bigs are good in the league. Uh, And it's... There was no variety. They could not stretch. They... So you could play Walker Kessler 32 minutes last night. Walker still does not dictate the matchups that he can grab. There are still, you know, nights in which he's... He's overwhelmed and he's not quite ready for it. And... So it's a question of, and I don't know that, you know, he can't gain strength during the season. He can gain experience off season and gain strength to help him with that. But you are seeing a really concerted effort. If you actually go to November 23rd, Walker plays 21 minutes. It was only the second time or only the fourth time all year he played 20 minutes. Since then, he's played 20 minutes in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games. Last night was the first time he went over 30. He's gone over 20 minutes now in... All but two of the last 12 games and is averaging 10 points, nine rebounds in those games. Um, and I don't know that we can push Walker Kessler to much more than 20, 22 minutes um, a night. But if you kind of look at it in the month of December, you've seen this increase in Walker Kessler's play. So then this also gets to like, okay, let's just look at the December numbers on um, our advanced metrics and are we any better? Defensively, and the answer is we're up to 21st in the league defensively uh, since that. Now, offensively, we've, we're sixth, and our net rating is even, um, and we're about a 500 team, which is kind of exactly what we are. But if we play 500 the rest of the way, you know, we have a real chance to be in the top six in the playoffs. Um, so that's the point. So, yes, yeah, so in December, with Walker suddenly increasing his minutes, the Jazz are now 21st defensively instead of 28th, and the Jazz defensive rebounding rate is is 19th instead of being 28th. Like, we're seeing the impact of what I'm talking about here. And so, as the more Walker can kind of up it to 22 to 25 to 26 to 28, that might be able to turn a bit. I think if you are one who's super interested in the Jazz trying to make the playoffs, this is the script by which the Jazz make the playoffs, is that Walker Kessler becomes viable enough for 25 minutes tonight as a drop big and can secure the rebounding that the— glaring weakness of the Jazz goes away. And then if they learn how to run out of it a little bit, they get even better. All right, a few other notes from last night. Um, you know, the Jazz have gotten really good in third quarters. They're the number one third quarter team in the NBA over the last 10 games going in last night. And then, um, and then they kind of kept it going. Um, they, and they came out with just another really good, strong adjustment in the third quarter and focus. Um, they're now the number one ahead of Memphis over the last 11 games with a differential of plus 26 um in third quarters uh recently so that's a tri- tip of the hat uh malik beasley last night i thought was really interesting uh and i t- we talked to him after the game and we talked about a postcast that hey they're running me off the line i'm taking 12 13 threes a game and they're, they're beginning to run me off the line and so now all of a sudden i have to drive and hit some floaters and do some things like that like that's usually like ugh. uh is kind of my reaction to that because frankly, that's exactly what the defense wants. Maybe you're better off moving it. He's not a great passer, frankly. So when he does put on the deck and he drives, it's kind of feels like, okay, well, the only thing that's about to happen here is you're going to shoot. And then the chances are you're going to take this like floater and floaters are usually really bad shots, except for all Malik Beasley is doing something really interesting. He's hitting 51% of his short mid range shots and he's never been over 40% in his career on any year. So really interesting. little developmental. These are the little tiny developmental things. The other one is his rim numbers have never been good in his career because he's been predominantly a shooter, and they're much better this year. So, you know, he's always been an elite, elite three-point shooter. There just are not a lot of guys that bury 40% of their threes. And if Malik can add, he's at 68% at the rim, he's at 51% on short mid-range shots, according to Clean the Glass. That changes who he is as a player. That's a pretty neat little next step. So as we talk about the Walker Kesslers and the Lowry Markins and the Keel Alexander Walkers, okay, Malik Beasley adding a little variety to his game makes him a bona fide 17 to 19 point a game score, right? Like if you're suddenly bearing three or four threes a night and you're suddenly got nine to 12 there and you go hit three or four floaters and that's another six and then you get three or four free throws, that's 20 points a game. Like, Like that's how you do it. And then, you know, he actually sneaks, usually sneaks one uh, opportunity a night, kind of on a on a turnover, because he does have great defensive passing lane instincts. He's not a very good one-on-one defender, or at least, you know, I get a little nervous. At this point in the season, I've seen every single one of our guys get blown by. And so you begin to think all of them are bad defenders. Some of them are. Like, some of our guys are just bite on every, we got a guy or two that bites on every fake, imaginable, known to man, and in turn, like you look up like, wow, why are our our defensive numbers so much worse when they're on the floor? And that's the reason. Like it's, there's not some of the, some of the times the numbers begin to tell the truth here um, on some of our guys. And, but Malik kind of is in the middle of the pack of that. And so I do get a little nervous that, okay, with 35 games in the season, I've seen him have some really bad defensive nights. He also could have been nicked. He could have had something like, who knows? Um, And so I sometimes get reluctant to like label it, but there have been plenty of nights and some recently where he was um, I actually think it was in Milwaukee. He did not have a very good defensive game. It happens. Um, so, but Malik's variety is, is really been impressive and, and begun to kind of show, um, some of their aspects to it. Um, when we're talking about, um, um, oh, I think, <clears throat> sorry, I was just looking at my notes. Um. I think there's another one here that's kind of interesting. Two is the league is, we've talked about this all year long, the league has like no separation. Um, there was a really cool thing that was up about how little separation there is actually specifically in the offensive numbers across the league. That offense is way up and all of the teams are good. Like, or not good, but all of the teams are up. Boston's now at kind of 118. Remember they were 10 points above league average and they are having this historic season where they've actually come back to life a little bit. And so they're now less than five points above league average. Denver's number two, and they're only four points above league average. And then you go to the bottom end, and really, other than the Clippers and Charlotte and Houston, everyone else is within three points of the league average on the bottom end. So everyone's within six points per possession offensively. Okay, that's not very much. That's the ball kind of rimming here and there and things like that. On the defensive end, there are some differences. Cleveland's the best defensive team in the league, and they're five points better than the league average, and Milwaukee is too. There's some real differences. Right now, there's five teams that are playing defense at a higher level than anyone else in the league. Cleveland and Milwaukee are at the lead, and then Philadelphia, L.A., and Memphis. Those five teams, the Clippers being L.A., are playing defense at a higher level, but otherwise it's really pretty close. And then, frankly, on the bad end of defense, okay, Utah's the 28th-ranked defensive team in the league. We're only three points below average. It's not a lot. And Detroit's 29th, and they're only 3.3, and San Antonio's kind of the one team that's not defending. Like, San Antonio's suddenly a sieve. So, if you kind of take 5 through, uh, or 6 through 29, the separation is only about 5 or 6 points, again, per 100 possessions. The the league is just so close together. So, if you suddenly move this Walker-Kessler rebounding meter a little bit, or you move this other little meter a little bit here and there, or you stay healthy and other people don't, like, the standings are going to impact that. I think that's really kind of what I was getting at is that everything's so closely bunched. You go move this meter just a tiny bit here after Christmas, it, it could be interesting. I, I think the basketball after Christmas is going to be crazy. Like, at some point here, maybe it's going to be All-Star break, where suddenly everyone looks at the standings like, oh, wait, actually, if we rest Kawhi Leonard again and we lose two more games, like, it's going to, oh, we're in the play-in. Like, the play-in... This year, more than ever before, the play-in is going to have a massive impact on the quality of basketball coming uh, maybe January 1st, maybe February 1st. All right, points gained is next. Lowry Markin ranks where? Yeah, we got something special on our hands watching Lowry Markin every single day right now. Uh, Today's show with the Utah Jazz, uh, excuse me, Locked on Jazz, is uh, on a serious topic as we head toward the holidays. Um, Let's not drive drunk and let's not drive impaired and that includes driving high. That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. If you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell, mostly. Everyone can tell. So, What makes you think the law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time, change how you perceive time and speed. Even if you think you're fine and drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is you feel different, you drive different, and driving high is under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI paid for by NHTSA. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, what about game to game? On Locked on NBA, a recap of all the action of last night. All right, let's do points gain. For those of you who are new to points gain, points gain is our offensive metric system that judges how an offensive player performs with the possessions they're given on the night, uh, how many times they use a scoring opportunity, and then how they do that compared to what league average would do. Usually by the end of the year, what we have is we have about three players over three. If you go back to last year in 21... Oh, shoot, I did the... um, I just realized I made a mistake today. But that's all right. If you go back to last year, we had f- five players over three. We usually have three, and we have about 10 or 12 players over two, and we had about that last year. Last year, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, and Kevin Durant, and Giannis Adekunbo were over plus threes. Um, so, Kevin Durant is at 4.3. He is now the number one points gained player in the NBA, and Brooklyn's rolling because of it. KD is pretty great right now. Staff is at 4.1, and Nikola Jokic is at 4.0. So those are the three dominating offensive players to be plus four is a mammoth number. Um, You know, when you start to think about plus four, we have, I'm doing a quick scan. We have about, I need to subtract by 10. We have 16 players in the league that are plus two or more. Um, So Durant and staff and Nikola Jokic at plus four are having two times the impact on the game offensively than all, but 14 or I guess, yeah, 14 other 13 other players. Those guys that are plus two or more, Anthony Davis, 3.5, Joel Embiid, 3.2, and Lowry Markinen 3.2. So Lowry Markkinen right now comes in as the sixth most positively impactful offensive player in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell is 3.1, which is just flabbergasting for a guard and for Donovan, who's always been hovering around average. So just amazing growth for Donovan. Donovan is a 50-40-90 right now at 30 points a game. D'Amato Sabonis is 2.8. Zion Williams is 2.7. Dame Lillard at 2.5, having a monster year for Portland. Aaron Gordon, one of the real surprise stories of the year, is at (coughs) 2.5. Rudy Gobert is at 2.3. Boyan Bogdanovich is at 2.3. Thomas Bryant, uh, only playing 17 minutes a night for uh, the Lakers, is at 2.2. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 2.2. So the best guards in the league right now are Steph, Donovan, Dame, and Shea. Uh, they're just so much more impressive than everyone else. And guard numbers are harder to have up that high. Nick Claxton, Miles Turner, and DeAndre Ayton close out this group um, of guys. Wing players, Kevin Durant is number one at 4.3. And then Lowry Markinen is next at 3.2. I don't know what you call Zion. Or Aaron Gordon is at 2.5 playing off. Then Boyan Bogdanovich at 2.3. And... Jason Tatum comes in at 1.9. Jimmy Butler at 1.8. Kelly Olynyk, by the way, 1.8 flies in there. Uh, wing player, I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns counts at 1.6. And you've got some bit players that are doing some things. Utah Watanabe, uh, Utah Watanabe is uh, at 1.6 with his three-point shooting. Luke Kennard's actually having a, a pretty good year when he does play. Um Luke is at 1.5. So to get a perspective, kind of that is where you have – Lowry Markinen sitting at 3.2 as the fifth, sixth most impactful offensive player in the NBA and the second most impactful wing. Like he really is becoming a version of Kevin Durant. It's what he looks like every night is as though he plays like Kevin Durant and he's actually numerically getting awfully close. He's crazy hot from three right now. Um, players who are having the most negative impact in the league and we'll look at all the jazz players here in a second. Terry Rogier is a minus 3.8. Cade Cunningham was hurt uh, Zaire Williams, Chris Middleton is not Russell Westbrook is now into his spot as one of the bottom players. Three minus 2.9. The most interesting name that keeps popping up here is CJ McCollum. He's a minus 2.8. Um, and he had 40 last night. He, if he gets going, it'll be interesting for New Orleans. The question is whether maybe or not not having is really hurting him. Killian Hayes, who we saw in Detroit, is minus 2.6. Joe Ingles, in limited time, minus 2.5. Dylan Brooks, minus 2.5. Kelly Ubray, 2.3. Kelvin Johnson in San Antonio, minus 2.2. P.J. Washington, a lot of people really like, is a minus 2. John Wall, who's never been efficient, minus 2. And Karis LeVert, minus 2. R.J. Barrett, minus 1.9. Um, Josh Giddy, who you watch and you love but he's a minus 1.8 his defense is an issue and DeJounte Murray is a minus 1.8 I would not have wanted to pay all that that for a minus 1.8 DeJounte Murray that's always my concern it's here's the point on these minus 1.8 guys like we just listed who's plus two there aren't that many guys so to overcome minus 1.8 is super hard um and and You've got to be an above-average offensive team, and we just talked about how narrow everything is. Here are the Jazz players right now. Markkanen's a plus 3.2. Alinek a 1.8. Kessler, a 1.4. Collin Sexton's a 0. 0.7. Super impressive. Jared Vanderbilt, 0. 0.6. Great. Um, Adoka a boot 0.5. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was on the bottom of this list last year. We read his name every single time we did bottom players last year, is a 0. 0.4. Malik Beasley's a 0.3, Jordan Clarkson's a negative point three, Jordan Clarkson's a negative point nine, Mike Conley's a negative one point two. Rudy Gay's a negative one point six, as is Talon Horton Tucker. So that's all those are um the Jazz players. That is your points gained. Um and that leads us to telling me to tell you to have a happy holidays. Um enjoy yourself and Enjoy the positive moments you can. Have a great one. Thanks very much. Uh, We'll be back with you probably the 27th for Locked on Jazz um, after the Spurs game from San Francisco, I think, is the way our itinerary works. Have a great one. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it.